Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family, we chose this one. This is episode 157, Jacob's Ladder from 1990. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. And this episode is brought to you by the Vietnam Veterans Memorial. The U.S. National Memorial in Washington, D.C. honors service members of the U.S. Armed Forces who fought in the Vietnam War. So thank you to them, and thank you to the Vietnam Veterans Memorial. Well, thank you to them. And as a reminder in the memory loss lap, tomorrow night, if you're listening to this, the day it comes out, Saturday, January 2nd, we are doing a watch-along of the first, the fast, and the furious to kick off lap eight. So join us for that, please. True. And you know what? I, I remembered something, and we forgot to say it, and it's What's too late that? now. We forgot to remind everyone that CNN's New Year's Eve... Oh, that's true. I mean, you can put it on Twitter, though. That's exactly what I'm going to do. So I'm going to put it on social media. Hopefully, you guys all watched... Because this is New Year's. It's New Year's Day. Happy New Year. Yeah, so Happy New Year. Hopefully, you watched last night's uh, broadcast, because it's always a blast, and I'm highly, highly recommended to everyone every year. So hopefully, you guys give gave it a shot, and I'll definitely put it on social media, so you probably saw me talking about it there last night. Hopefully, last night, you watched New Year's Eve on CNN, and hopefully, tomorrow night, you will join us. I already sent out the... Save the date, kind of, and then I will send out a uh, Discord link. Same link as last time. If you joined us last time, it's the same place. But we'll send that out tomorrow for, or by tomorrow for you. So keep an eye out for that. But Joe, extracurricular activities. What have you been up to? It's been a week since we recorded. We have uh, had Christmas in between. So what have you been up to since we last spoke? We had like a really chill Christmas. It was just Rachel and I. She made some tacos. I mentioned that I, I like I mentioned them to you like at some point. But Rachel made these tacos. A lot of people have been posting about uh, birria tacos. Mm-hmm. So it's like this like beef kind of stew. You take the tortilla and you put it in the fat in the top of it and then you fry them and make them like that and um she made those again for christmas and that was like really really awesome it was just you guys because rachel's parents came up for thanksgiving so it's just you two for christmas yeah it was just us two well normally like rachel's family does like they they alternate cities like they like either go to her aunt's city or her aunt comes to her mom's city but you know pandemic so yeah it was just us two we watched some christmas movies she had never seen die hard so she watched die hard for the first time did she like it yeah, she loved it, actually. She, like, really, really loved it. We watched Home Alone 2, because she had never seen Home Alone 2 either. Starring Donald Trump. Oh, of course. Pre-presidential Donald Trump. You know, we were going through a bunch of Christmas movies that um, she hadn't seen before. We watched, like, some of the classic, like, um, animated-style ones, like the claymation kind of ones, mm-hmm. and did that and just drank and hung out for a couple days. In this Christmas drunken stupor, one of the things we were, like, really excited about was um, playing Crash Bandicoot because, like, we had bought the Crash repack. Yep. So we started playing that again, and they re-released Crash Team Racing, which was, like, my favorite mm-hmm. racing game. So, like, I got that, too, because I had, like, a bunch of, you know, we've talked about it before, but, like, I had a bunch of Bing rewards. So I just used it to buy, like, an Xbox gift card. Hell yeah. Yeah, and got the, so I got the Crash Team racing one we've been playing through those at night now for a couple hours just because it's like mindless and it's kind of nostalgic right i know that i got one of the crashes on christmas like from my parents so like i think that that's what really like hit me like on christmas so like i was like oh i want to play crash again and like the remastered ones look fucking beautiful i don't know if you've played them or seen them i bought the three pack i never played crash team racing so i didn't buy that again but i bought the three pack i have not played that yet or wait hold on and I'm not sure which is which. I know that I have both. So they put out a, a remaster of the three Crashes. Yes. They put out a remaster of the three Spyro games. And I yes. played the Spyro games on PS1. I played some of the Crash. I never played a ton of Crash. But I bought one of them. And the other is included in this, like, 
bundle. free PS4 games thing on PlayStation 5. Like, they have, like, 20 okay. games that are just free. So I know that I own both, but I don't remember. But, like, I haven't played either because I just haven't been playing a lot of games. But they, yeah, it does feel like this is, like, kind of, like, this past year has been, like, a year of nostalgia for yep. the original place. Like, I guess a 20-year-ish sort of throwback or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I was always, like, really big into Crash as a kid. And I remember, like, me and my friends would just play to, like, 100% them. Because, like, it gives you, like, a like yeah. a percentage meter, too. And actually, there's, like, hidden platinum relics where, like, if you do the, t- the time trials so fast... And this was, like, pre-internet. Like, we didn't even know what the times were. So, like, if you do the time trials so fast, you can get, like, a relic that isn't, like, in there. There's, like, mm-hmm. a bonus one. We would do, like, the levels that we liked to complete them like that, and we got to, like, 105% of the game or something at one point. I don't know which one, but, like, I know that we were just playing, like, a ton of this, like, all summer, one summer. Nothing super crazy, just hanging out, doing stuff like that. What about you? I So Christmas, my sister had dro- driven up here, like I said. She came up yeah. for my birthday, and she was here for, like, two weeks, so I went over there a bunch with my parents' house, so that cool. was good. I remember, speaking of PlayStation at Christmas, I remember we got the original PlayStation, I don't know if it was the year it came out, or maybe the year after, but I know that we got it on Christmas, because I remember my dad gave us each a PlayStation game and we thought that he had messed up because we were like, you know, 10 and seven or whatever right oh. like that we don't we don't have this like what did you and then like the last thing like there was a cool video going around twitter this year of like this kid like this probably like five-year-old kid uh who got a ps5 and he was like super amped and he was like let's go and he's like you know i i let him open all the other presents first and i brought this out and i don't think it was like i don't think he got playstation 5 games but whatever but it was one of those like oh like why don't i don't know why we got and you... this and then we're like oh god yeah. so i remember <laughs> getting that on christmas one year and i remember getting final fantasy 8 which is one of my favorite games of all time on christmas one year and i remember playing it and like just watching this like opening cutscene yeah. in front of like my whole family and like then I me like even aware like at that time like oh they have no idea what the fuck is going like it's just like I don't understand what's going on but like they're just like why are these like Japanese high schoolers like <laughs> fighting each other with swords like what is this game yeah I had a bunch of family time over at my parents house my sister is a good cook she cooked a whole bunch so I have a lot of leftovers still nice that's what she, she stocked you up bud that's good she did yeah I basically haven't you know it's been earlier in pandemic I was like going five weeks or something like a month between grocery store trips like I it's been, I did like a two week stock up before, so I could essentially quarantine myself. And then I haven't gone in the last like almost two full, or like a week, like a week and a half, I guess, now additionally, because like every time I go over there, they're like, here's a bunch to take home. So like I'm almost through them now, but yeah, it's been a while. I read three books in the last week because I was trying to finish my year end and I got to my goal. But the weird thing is that I finished the book, the book I finished today is this book yeah. called Cherry. And it's about this former, it's written by this former army medic turned heroin junkie bank robber who Whoa. wrote it from prison. Whoa. Okay. And so it's crazy. You're talking my language. Is it kind good? Kind of autobiographical. It is really good because it's kind of like, you know, my friend Bob recommended it to me and he's like, it's the book about the Iraq war because it's oh. not, it doesn't glamorize it. It's just like, he makes it feel like it's a shitty day job. Okay. So there's that part of it. And then it's like the opioid ep- epidemic. And then like, there's like legitimate, like real, bank robber shit so this guy went to prison and wrote this book in prison but the weird thing the, the reason i bring this up now and this part isn't weird but they're adapting it into a movie starring tom holland which seems a little bit weird because he does not that seem is exactly that kind of person it's also gonna be directed by the russos who did the captain america movies and the later avenger movies so like he knows them whatever yeah but the weird thing is that i finished the book today and i went on youtube to find a trailer because it's tentatively scheduled to hit apple tv plus in february and there's no trailer and 
so like I don't know why that is. I don't so know. So it if should it's not, be already I, done. Like this should be like done done. Yeah, I don't know if it's not coming out in February, but like on IMDb it's like listed as like February whatever twenty one, so I was like, oh, now that I know what the story is, like, I'm going to watch the trailer because I haven't seen the movie, but like, I want to see how they adapt it or whatever, right? And yeah, of course. No trailer out. I'm like, huh, all right. So maybe it's not coming out February. in six weeks. I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's that. What else have I been up to? Anything of note? I don't think so. Just been watching lots of movies and TV and stuff. I will have put up at some point, probably by today, a blog post on cageclub.me with my favorite stuff of the year. I don't think I'm going to do like a writing thing. Like I'm thinking I'm just going to do like lists of stuff and i'm not going okay, to like cool. explain it just because i would rather watch things than write things this year but okay if people are interested in my favorite movies and tv and stuff go on there they're always good recommendation lists those are thank cool. you thank you my my top 10 does make me look like a basic bitch though like i have one friend who's like really into film like he and i and another friend share a criterion channel subscription and he every year writes this thing on Facebook, like, all right, let, let me see your year-end list. Like, let's put them on here. And I put mine on there, like my top 10, like, because I've seen, now I'm to like 154 from this year. Like, I've seen like a shitload of movies. Yeah. And I think there's still a lot of really good movies. Like, people are down on this year, and I think that's true, even though next year is going to be like a real, like, aside from like the major movies, I think the back half of next year, maybe, and into the beginning of 22 is going to be like a real dry spell, because like, Hollywood yes. shut down again i've watched a bunch of movies i think there's a lot of really good movies but like i don't know that there's been a ton of great movies so like looking at my top 10 and like birds of prey is my number 10 like i really like that movie a lot but like I, that's that feels like a weird number 10 birds of prey like came year. out this year yeah it was february fuck me dude yeah wow yeah this year never ended holy fuck i yeah, feel like birds I, of prey was like two years ago at this no point. it's yeah it's it's february wow Okay. Yeah. That was my number one for a while, and then I saw a couple things, you know, since then that has, has surpassed that. But like, Rachel loved yeah. it, man. Yeah, she was. It's, super it's a blast, it. and like Harley Quinn's great, and you know, I mean, Margot Robbie's great as Harley Quinn. Like, yeah. I was talking to my friend because uh, a couple of friends want to rewatch the DCEU yes. movies. Okay. And we were talking about like ranking them, and like, I I really like a lot of them, but like, I was seeing if I ranked all my Marvel movies, like all the MCU with the DCEU, like where it would go and like birds of prey is my favorite of the 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 dc movies but it would be like 10th maybe like there's so many more marvel movies that i like more than this and this is still somehow like my number 10 movie it's like a weird just a weird year right so yep yeah yeah cageclub.me for that blog post either today or soon if not now but trying to churn through my uh end of year media goals to put together a list that only i care about but you know that's (laughs) what happens every december right so (laughs) yeah yeah we have a patreon page here on the show too fast to forever.com shout out to cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleinman, Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Party, Haley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Christian Larson, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke Hayden, Renato DiDonato, and Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Montez. Thank you all so much for the $5 level or above support. Remember, starting next lap, which is starting in like a week and a half, we're going to have Patreon-exclusive episodes, bonus episodes over there, that everyone's going to get from a dollar a month or more. I don't know if that podcast feed thing is working, because there's like, it seems like there's one built into Patreon, which is free, and then there's one that costs like $15 a month, and I'm like... What? Is it through Patreon too, or is it something different? So Patreon has like a lot of like add-on features, or whatever, that like third-party apps, essentially, and there's this thing called Acast. You know, we make a decent amount of money on Patreon, but we don't make a ton of money. Like, we barely just cracked $100 a month, so it's not like we're like rolling in it, and we have like actual fees and stuff like that, so like, it's not like we have lots of money, and so I'm like, I don't really want to spend $15 
dollars on a thing that like two people are going to use. So like if you're out there and if you have tried to do this like podcast feed on there, let me know. If not, like you can always download the thing directly from Patreon or we can figure out a way. But yeah, it's not going to be a bonus episode every week, but there will be at least two, if not three or four next lap bonus episodes. So for sure. Looking forward to that. Next lap, next lap, the Tokyo Drift Lap is going to be a lot of fun, I think. I, I'm really excited for it. I like the Memory Lost Lap, and we did lots of good movies, but I think that we were always dreaming about the Tokyo Drift Lap for sure. So, yeah, there's definitely some ones that we wanted to hit in here for a while. One thing that you and I have to decide, which I thought about recently and have not brought up to you offline, but we need to come up with a question, a conversation starter for our com- for episodes with Heather, at least. Like, we had the most letty moment, but, like, we need a question ostensibly about Tokyo Drift, but not... Hopefully not racist. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, what's the most Japanese part of this movie? Like, that's not good. Or like, how no. would you adapt it to Japan? I feel like we would just fall into the same thing every time. Or like, yeah, we got to do something. Or it doesn't have to be about that, really. I have, I have an idea. Who is the coolest character in this ooh, movie to you? Ooh, do you ooh, like ooh. that? Coolest character or cool? Have a coolest moment. Coolest moment. Is that cool? Because like, that like refers cool. to Han, but she doesn't need to know Han to know the... You know what I mean? Yes, that's very good. That's very good. Okay, cool. I'm glad you like that. And we can even do that in the pit stops, too. Exactly. That's, yeah, yep. that's what I mean. We could, Yeah, you can... Do, like, it's like the most Han moment without talking about that we're focusing on Han for her. We were going to do eventually, like after, which we never did this this lap, but we were going to do, in addition to what's the most bloody moment, like what's the thing you remember most or whatever. Like there was like some kind of like memory loss thing, but we didn't want to spoil that for Nico and Kevin. We'll be like, hey, so by the way, like this Letty lap, like yeah. someone loses their memory. Like just like not going to knock it down or whatever. But exactly. Yeah. yeah, we could do it like what's the cool moment. And then like eventually when she meets Han, we'll be like, what's the Han moment? Like she's going to meet Han early. We'll, we'll figure it out. But yes. Cool moment, cool character. I like that a lot. That's really good. Yeah, coolest moment, coolest character. Okay. Very, very cool. Very. Who very exudes cool. cool? Not even like coolest. Like who exudes just like coolness, right? Yeah. We also have a shop at too fast too forever dot shop. Got. I'm going to put up another design as I've been rearranging. So here's here's another annoying thing. So my boss prepped my computer for me. He like he tuned it or whatever he like did all the windows updates but i'm like i just like he's he's i think i've said this before in here like he signed in i'm like i need to sign in so i'm trying to restore it to just fresh windows yeah and i needed to download the cloud recovery tool and then i put the model number in it's like this is invalid and i was like god damn it so like i had to chat with hp and they oh. gave me the right model number so i downloaded it. i'm like cool this works so i put it in there and it's like this is this is the wrong region so like she gave me like the canadian thing and like that's the only way i could tell i'm like Oof. so i had to like what? chat with hp again so they're mailing me a flash drive with recovery media on it so which i'll be able to use whatever so i'm still not be able to use my new computer god i'm just like in like hard drive cleanup like every once in a while just like you know puttering around like what else can i move around or whatever i found our old design the thing that i wanted to do that i mentioned earlier this lap that ben actually reached out i was like hey i'll help with this thing that i don't know what it is i'm like no i can do it and we just never did it i found the photoshop file i'm like oh i should put that in the store so like we're gonna put that in the store soon i don't know if it's there yet but i was just like oh right like as i've been like just moving things from folder to folder like hey like let's just condense things like i found that i'm like oh we should do that so Definitely. there's a new design going up very soon in the too fast too forever dot shop store yeah like we said there's probably gonna be sales every month so just wait and there's gonna be sales and so we'll tweet about it or whatever so because t public emails me like three times a week it's just like hey here's <laughs> tips it's like i don't we're not we're not actually running an e-commerce business we're fine relax yeah. thank you though <laughs> Uh, we also have an email just here on the show, family at cageclub.me and Joe. We have four emails. Okay. First up, from Alex. 
Alanen. Hi, Alex. What's up? Subject buddy? line, Merry Christmas all. He sent this on Christmas Eve. He says, just wanted to tell you guys Merry Christmas, and I just got the remote taken away from me because apparently watching Tokyo Drift at 10.45 p.m. on Christmas Eve is, quote, not in the Christmas spirit. What? Oh, yeah, it's on Telemundo, too. So, yes, it is in Spanish. <laughs> I think that it's a movie about giving movie about rebirth feliz navidad it could be the perfect christmas movie if you ask me but hey any movie is a christmas movie if you try hard enough (laughs) that's that's yeah i don't know if you guys know that but that's like a common saying that i i like to say to all of my friends all the time they'll be like like that's not a christmas like that's not in anything and i'll be like anything is anything if you try hard enough any movie is a christmas movie if you try hard enough exactly i saw a thing this week or not this week maybe this week this month definitely for sure that argued that the lord of the rings is the best christmas movie because like hey it's got elves in it i'm like you know i like i respect that like i don't know if i agree with that but i respect the hustle so <laughs> yeah you, you put the you. time and effort into this so yeah i like that part of it but like that's yeah. why english classes were the best because it's like you could just come up with any wacky theory and be like yeah that's what i think this book's about it's like well you you're not right but like you have evidence so yeah and if it's like a novel or something like of course yeah you could just yeah. make yeah whatever you want thank you alex merry christmas next email from jason dickinson so here is Here's a little bit of a drama. I responded to a thing that he posted. I don't know. He's been, uh, I think he's getting a little antsy. He's getting a little upset at the Fastiverse. I don't know if you've seen these posts. I, he's been messaging me too, bud. Yeah. He's been sending me messages. He, he said he was he was nervous that we were upset with his takes. And I was like, no, man, everybody has your opinion. You're fine. You can say whatever you want, dude. Like, Yeah, he put on Facebook recently. He said, what's the worst movie for eight? Earlier, he was like, asked the question, which is this email he sent in. After being delayed five times, the question remains, will the long wait for the overhyped Fast 9 be worth it? I Ooh. say no. Because he put on the wall like something about it, like, I'm over it. I'm like, oh. are you not excited for this movie anymore? He's like, no, not really. I was like, damn. And if they lost Jason, like, that's... Well, we also know that Jason said that he wasn't watching them again until it came out, and uh, that's a lie. So I think that he's just... I think he's just a little bummed right now. I think that when it comes out, I think that he'll be back on board. I'm hoping. Just when he thought he was out, <laughs> pull him back in. <laughs> exactly. Exactly what's going to happen. The Fast and Furious Part 3, The Death of Dominic Toretto. Oh. You know they, re- you know they re-released Godfather 3 as the Godfather Coda, colon, The Death of Michael Corleone. I guess that's a spoiler, but yeah. that's what the movie's about. He's yeah. an old man. So <laughs> that's what The Godfather 3 is about. So yeah, if you're out there and you have some uh, hot takes, if you're disappointed in F9's delays or you're not excited for it, let us know family at cageclub.me. Last two emails are both from Wells. First one, in response to our watch party, says, about time, I've been waiting for another Discord sash. Love it. So Wells will be there, hopefully. Cool. Wells is always having a good time, and it's always good to hear from him, so I'm glad that he'll join as well. Plus, this is the final weekend in the NFL season. There might be some games on Saturday, but it's also like, hey, Mahomes isn't playing, so like, if your team's locked, if they're like locked into a thing, like... You know, yeah. I have been off the hook for several weeks now. Like, <laughs> I mean, I watched the game on Christmas where Calvin Kamara, or Alvin Kamara scored six, six touchdowns. touchdowns. So yeah. I was like, at the end, I was just like, please don't give up 50. Because like they, they, were at, they had like 45 or whatever, and they were like yeah. driving. I'm like, just make one fucking stop. And nope. But you got to see six touchdowns by a guy that's cool, right? Like I, I like, like Kamara. Kamara. Yeah. You can't hate on him. He's not like, I mean. But, you know, it's one of those things like most rushing touchdowns in a game. It's like guy in 1929, <laughs> Alvin Kamara versus Minnesota. Like, yes, oh, versus okay. your team. That really sucks. I get it. Our other email, the final email today, also from Wells. Subject line, holidays are over. Back to business. Okay. Quick funny story. So my dad bought The Irishman on Amazon. I mean, it's just on Netflix. So like, Yeah, what? How'd you, how did he buy it on Amazon when it's free on Netflix? Okay. I mean, you can buy it, right? Like, I bought El Camino, but like, I just, like, I own all the Breaking Bad, so I'm like, I just want that. Yeah. Like, that's you... a collector's thing, but like, yeah, The Irishman's never going to not be on Netflix, right? So. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. 
Well, says, I haven't seen it, so I go over to my parents' house for movie night. All four of us were there, so it was nice. I picked up a pizza from Tony's, got there around 7. Ooh. I like that he's like, I don't know where Tony's is. I don't know who the fourth person is. Like, just well, Wells family, and I though. have talked about pizza before. So I think that Tony's is one of his is, is one of his favorite pizza places. Okay. So, yeah, because cool. we, we, we talked about like making dough and stuff like that. He sent, he sent messages. We've talked okay. about pizza. I was excited. I really wanted to watch it. Everyone I know said they enjoyed it. He puts the DVD in. He puts the DVD in. It's not reading. After a few minutes, I ask him for the DVD case, and he hands me a CD case. Immediately, I know what happened. He accidentally bought the soundtrack instead of the DVD. <laughs> I started laughing, but he was actually kind of upset. I was too, but what can you do? I felt so bad. I bought it from him on eBay, and it arrived yesterday. I'm heading back there to watch it tomorrow night. Old people and the internet is a funny thing. Why doesn't he have Netflix? <laughs> Why didn't you Don't just know. like cast it from your phone, bud? Don't Come know. On, man. They're, that story is very complicated. If you have any device that's been manufactured in the last decade, Netflix is on there, right? Yeah, like, anything. I have six things connected. Like, my TV has Netflix. My TiVo has Netflix. Yeah. Every video game system has Netflix. Yeah. Fire Sticks have Netflix. Apple TV has Netflix. So, like, you can get Netflix on your TV. I don't know. Even do a trial. Like, even if you don't want to pay for Netflix, just, I don't know. Somebody has to have... You have somebody's account at this point in your life. Right. Some, some friend, some aunt, some dad. You have somebody's account, so... You would oh. think. Another congrats for 150 episodes, Brosifs. Thank you, sir. Went to Rasputin today. Got 12 DVDs for $12. Oh. Deals. Oh. One of them is okay. a Stone Cold Steve Austin movie. Parentheses, I buy all his movies. Guess who's in it? Here's a hint. Man, white boys work fast, don't they? But I'm disappointed, oh. though, because he's not Hector. He's Rex. Wasted opportunity to keep the tradition alive. We, like, Rachel and I just looked it up because um, I think I posted it on social media, but there was, like, mm-hmm. one night that we were, like, watching SVU or something, and he was in that, too. Or, no, it was CSI Miami, except he was looking for his friend Hector. They kept saying Hector around him, and I was like, is his name Hector in this, too? And it's like, no, his name was, like, something else. But he was, like, his best friend was Hector, and he was, like, protecting Hector. I really wish that they should just keep this tradition. Like, he should just always be Hector in every movie, because it's just funny to me. What's weird is that his name isn't Hector. Like, no, I could see no. it being, he's, like, we realized last episode, <laughs> or two episodes ago, we missed an opportunity. Noel, the movie Noel, his name is Noel Guglielmi, right? Like, we could have yes. just said the movie was about him. Drop that ball. Certain actors, like Tony Danza is always Tony, right? Like, it's just like... Yes, yes. People joke about, like, oh, he can't remember another name, so, like, they just call him Tony, right? So, like... But it's not like his name is actually Hector. He's always called Hector. It's just his name is Noel, and he's always called Hector. It's just... It's a weird thing. (laughs) He just looks like a Hector to everyone else. Mildly racist. Super, super weird. Yeah. Another movie I got from Rasputin is called 108 Stitches. It's a low-budget baseball movie. The soup Nazi from Seinfeld is in it. Oh. He's the coach, and they make a new No Soup For You reference. I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, by the way, speaking of references, watched Wonder Woman 84, and there is a line in there, which I will spoil for you if you want me to, or I yeah, won't please. say it if you don't. Yeah, please. Please spoil for me. Yeah, that's fine. As we all know, what my favorite line that Gal Gadot says in any of the Fast and Furious movies is, in the beginning of Six, she and Han are out to dinner, and he, yes. she orders herself another language. He yes. goes, how, how'd you do it? She's like, I'm a citizen of the world. Yes. And so in this movie, they go to a place, and they need help from this guy, and he's like, I'm a citizen of the world. I'm like, how is that? That's gotta be <laughs> a Fast and Furious reference. It has to be. Yeah, I saw um, Wes message us about it, too. He was like, did you catch this Fast and the Furious Yeah, he said reference? he read my review, and he, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that's perfect. It's beautiful. I mean, like, that. If, it, if it's not, I don't know. I don't know, but... Yeah, that's for sure. It can't right? not be. This is. I think that they did a better job than we always complain that the Fast and the Furious writers don't do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. just drop me a. Can you smell what I'm cooking by the rock at some point? Right. Like, come on. Like, let's just do it. Wells goes on. 
I love war movies and I love sports movies. A bad sports movie is still entertaining to me, but a bad war movie is the worst thing in the world. I try to mm. always find a reason to appreciate a film, but you buy every war movie that Rasputin has to offer, you're going to find some duds like The Lost Patrol. Do you know The Lost Patrol? I don't know if I do. No, I've never heard of this. There's a couple different ones. There's one from 1934, which I'm just guessing. It's a John Ford movie, who's a great director. I'm assuming it's not that one. There's one from 2009. That's only a short. I don't know which one you're talking about, man. Let's okay. find out. It must be foreign because the voices are dubbed and they don't match the mouth movement. All right, let's see here. Let's see. There's a dubbed one? Okay. There's one called Road 47. This one has like only a, a 3.1 on Letterboxd. This is a Spanish language. Possibly that. Portuguese and Italian. So maybe that one? I don't know. Maybe. I'm forcing myself through it right now to get my dollar's worth, even though not finishing it would be the real reward. Take a, take a page from my book, my new book, Bail. <laughs> I got Joe to stop watching trailers, and he basically got me to stop watching things I don't enjoy. It's yeah, not stop. you directly. Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to suffer through it. It happens. Time is precious. Time is precious. While we're on the subject, let me give you my two least favorite movies of all time. Here it goes. Drum roll emoji. Oh no, this okay. is. I don't agree with this first one at all. I'm gonna skip that one for the for now. But the second one, Boondock Saints two. I've never seen that, but I'm okay with that. I'm fine because I think Boondock Saints one is a severely overhyped movie. Mm-hmm. As we as we always describe them, like you know college boy poster movies yeah that's way up there and in that sense i do not enjoy it i think it's a good movie i just think it's way overhyped but go ahead boondock saints 2 i've never seen it right and the other one which is one that you bailed on that you said you hated but i love bill and ted's bogus journey yeah yeah but not the worst movie of all time No, no 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 definitely not the worst movie of all time but like yeah. I mean, my boss has said that Wonder Woman 84 is one of the worst, objectively one of the worst movies ever made. I'm like, I would love to be in your brain where, like, that's the worst thing you've ever yeah. seen. This is a very, very fair point. I think about this a lot. People will be like, that really sucked. And I'll be like, well, you haven't seen a lot of shit at all because that was definitely at least mid-range. I have gotten Brian to admit as much that, like... I said to him, and I think he took him, it took him a while, but he like, he, he messaged me back recently, Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Party. I was like, look, right now, like people complain that like movies aren't what they used to be, that like the 40s and the 50s and the 60s and the 80s, like all, like the whatever, like era. all the old movies, the 70s, they're all better, right? Yeah. My argument is that number one, there's just more movies now. So there's more, there's just more objectively bad movies. So Fair. Number one. Totally fair. Number two, on the same side of that coin, back in the day, like, you don't remember, like, shitty movies from the 40s. Like, they just weren't preserved. You just don't watch them. Like, you watch Casablanca, right? Like, you don't watch whatever. Yeah. So, like, now there's just like, oh, a Netflix movie. Oh, that was bad. My other point is that the average movie, whatever an average movie is right now, is better than it's ever been. Like, there's more 100%. bad movies, but, like, it's just better now. I don't think any movie today, unless it's, like, absolutely atrocious could be like objectively like one of my, one of the worst movies i saw all year like one of my least favorite is the, the fantasy island reboot is awful but like it still looks beautiful like technically it's amazing it's just yeah, boring yeah, yeah. and predictable and i dumb. loved it and, and i enjoyed it i would say subjectively i hate it but like objectively it's a fine movie it's just it's not good but like if whatever. you went like, back thinking, and like, showed fantasy island in the 40s in a theater they'd be like holy fuck yeah this is yep. the greatest movie I've ever seen in my life. And you'd be like, yep, exactly. They all look so, like this now. The talkies have gone nuts. <laughs> I know. I just don't get it when people are like, that was the worst thing I've ever seen. It's like, no, it wasn't. Like, people are just so prone to hyperbole now, but, you know. He says, I'll continue to send you movies. I can't stand the future emails, but these two... <laughs> but these two, Tomar El Pastel Prende La Gato, take the cake. Oh. I'm talking movies. I'd rather get shin kicked with a pair of steel toe rip Kodiak work boots than watch. <laughs> 
fair. I think this animosity in his list comes from remakes of movies that the classic that the originals are so great. I get it. And in that sense, I can agree. But you're but in your sense of like, are they the worst movies ever? Definitely not. Boy, oh boy. Like, I mean, I've never seen Boondock Saints 2 because, I, again, I, I saw the first one once. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. I get it. Got it. Uh, bros, I straight, I straight tweeted the Crossroads bit you did on my old account. Old account. I said, how do they mess up the soundtrack to Crossroads by not using Bone Thugs throughout the movie? Yes. Watched Wonder Woman 84 yesterday. Whatever. Shake my head. I still love Giselle. Dot. It's not her fault. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, I think it's a fine movie. I think it's too long, and I think it's a little boring, but it's fine. It's, it's enjo- I enjoyed it. Like, it's not great, but it's not bad, yeah. I don't think. That's cool. Okay, bros, hope you have both had a good Christmas and a happy new year. I'll see you guys in 2021. Peace. P.S. My Hobbs and Shaw DVD I bought from eBay didn't play, so I have to buy another one. It's a gamble on the bay. Did you, oh, well. Did you, did you buy the soundtrack by accident, or did you buy the Hobbs and very, Shaw Very, very good question. <laughs> I can't wait to talk to Wells again on, on Saturday. Well, t- what, tomorrow, according to the Tomorrow. Episode. Yes. You're only a day away. And that's all the emails. <laughs> Family at cageclub.me if you want to email us. Now that the I think now that the holidays are passed and now that we're going back to once a week, I think we'll have more emails per episode. But family at cageclub.me if you've yeah. not written in a while, send the note. Say hi. Family Just at cageclub.me. Joe, on the streets, news about the Fast and Furious. I got nothing. nothing. I don't think, right? No, no, I got nothing. Then let's talk about the final thing to do before we take a break. The Fast and the Furious minute. Another deleted scene. Moving out. Okay, here you go. You have a good one. Thank you. Away. Have you heard from Dom? You wouldn't tell me if you had. No. What are you doing here? I thought your job was done. Officer. Well, actually, I'm not a cop anymore. I quit. And they let me go quietly. So in this scene, after the final confrontation between Brian and Dom, Tanner drops Brian off at 1327. Brian walks up to the garage where he finds Mia packing. Brian and Mia talk about what happened. Brian asks her to take him back. We get a bit of optimism between the two as the camera pulls out, up, and away to the Los Angeles landscape. <laughs> 
I was watching this again today, and I think that this is the most pivotal scene that we've removed. Like, when we were talking about Furious 7 deleted scenes last time, we were like, oh man, if you, like, remove Giselle, Letty, hospital things, like, a lot of things fall out of place, right? And stuff gets very weird. Yep. Removing this would make it very, very... I mean, like, if you left this in, two would have been a completely different movie. That's what's insane. Like, that, I don't... So this is a scene that I think when we talked about the scene in the episode earlier this lap, we talked about how it was not on the DVD. This is just a bonus one that's on YouTube. I don't know where it came from. So we don't know, like, we don't have the explanation, the explainer from Rob Cohen why he cut it out. But if this was left in, either as the final scene in the movie or a deleted scene or after the credits or whatever, it changes too. It changes the turbocharged prelude. Yep. And it changes four, unless they like break up between this and two. It would cause them a lot of more work to get out of this. I wonder if they were going to put this on if there was never a second movie. Because this does kind of feel like a, we're never doing another movie. This is a happy ending. Yes. As opposed to just Brian goes off and does his thing. Dom's safe in Mexico. Yeah. We'll see what happens in the future. And I don't know, like, because this does feel like a definitive, like, changing the course of the future of the franchise. Yep, 100%. Very, very weird, though. It's very strange to come back to. The only thing I could think of when I'm, like, watching through this, I'm like, this changes a lot of shit, and you'd have to course correct a lot. I mean, granted, they've done it, right? So it's not, like, impossible. Right. It would just be, like, a completely different second. Like, what's the reason that Brian goes to Miami, then? You know, and, like, all of these type of things, and, like, did they break up? Did they get back together? Because it seems like in 4, like, they haven't really seen each other, right? So... Not only is the Mia stuff here, but it also seems like he's okay with the cops. Like, he's like, the cops let me go, right? He's just like, you know, they're they're not happy, but they let me go. So, like, he doesn't have to get chased out of town. And that's still a little weird, like, why he's not, like, pursued, like, he's kind of pursued or whatever, but, like, he gets to Miami, he's working with, like, it's just, like, the whole thing, right? Like, he's working with the police, Yeah. so, but this does feel like a button, like a, if this is the only movie in the franchise, or not even a franchise, but if this is a standalone movie, this, this is, is what you put at the end, but, like, I don't, at what point do you cut this out? And, I, I, and like, how do you release, like, where, where did this come from? I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's the other thing, I, I have a question, just, like, where did this come from? Like, if we can't find it, it's not on the DVDs. It's it's a professionally shot scene. Like, this isn't, like, you know, a storyboard or something weird. There's, like, Paul Walker and Jordana Brewster, like, in this scene. They acted it out, like, thinking this might be in the movie. Yeah. It's, like, I don't fucking know, dude. I don't know. This is also one of the longer deleted scenes that we will do. This is two minutes and 20 seconds, so it's one of the longest of the deleted scenes. My The weird thing, you made a note that I, something that I missed that you found, you saw a for sale sign in front of 1327, but like... Yes. Okay. Which also changes a big part of the movie, right? It does. So I guess if they're together, she's not going to leave, but like, number one, is she going to... I was wondering if she's packing the entirety of 1327, but I guess if she's selling the house, then yes. Yeah. Will she actually move out of the house? Like... I wonder if in this version of the ending, if we get this instead of Dom in Mexico, if, like, they think Dom was caught. It feels like that. That would kind of understand, like, that would make more sense why the cops were more okay with Brian leaving. Yes, I agree still with got that, their too. Guy. It definitely seems like she she wouldn't be leaving if Dom was just on the lam. Because, like, this feels like the house they grew up in. It is. Yeah, it definitely seems like that. There's, Yeah, it doesn't seem like they just moved there. It felt like... You know, his dad's car was still in the garage, like... And we know from earlier in the movie, in that, in those 10 seconds or less, I'm free monologue, that Dom feels the weight of the mortgage, right? He's like, you know, the mortgage, the food shack, whatever, right? Whatever he says. Like, we know that the house is not paid off, which still feels a little weird, but, you know, 
things 30 happen. 30-year mortgage. You refinance, whatever, right? Yeah. It seems crazy to me. And I, I admit that this is a huge, a monumental life thing that your brother was caught for being like, you know, grand theft auto, like, you know, major crimes, right? Like yeah. grand larceny, whatever. He might be going to prison for a very long time, but it feels like a bold move to sell the house. Like what do you No, 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 no. I mean, like, look, she's, she's probably going to have lawyer bills now. And also, do you really want to like be there and be like the girl down the street whose brother got arrested and was like the head? So you think she wants a fresh start? Yeah, she wants a, she wants a new, she's picking new life of what she would buy with her money. But I don't think that she's really going to get money. It's like lawyer fees and also just like not dealing with this anymore. Like I can't be in this neighborhood. I can't be seen. Like Toretto's Cafe is going to be gone. Nobody's going to go there anymore. Or like they're going to know the story of it at least. So she just like doesn't want to deal with this. She can just start over somewhere else. I also wonder if maybe she was feeling trapped in this location. And this is kind of like she doesn't obviously I don't think she would want her brother to be like arrested. But, like, maybe she's like, this is actually finally my chance to, like, get away. Oh, like, I you know what else? Because I had to be here for the family business, whatever, right? You know what else? Is that she's getting ready to go to college. Mm-hmm. So, like, what is she going to do with this house? Like, there's no Letty around because they're all in trouble. So, like, who's... And they don't have, like, a- extra family, right? Like, the, the only people we see and get referenced are, like, their friends. So, it's, like, not even, like, anybody's going to be able to take care of it. So, maybe she's just like, fuck it. I'm selling the house. I'll go to college. I'll just get the fuck out of here. It's, it seems crazy at first until you think about it like maybe it makes sense whether it's by choice by necessity by accommodation of the two yeah i would i would want to like not deal with this and she doesn't have like kids or like anything holding her back so like if i was what whatever she's supposed to be in this movie 18 or 19 or whatever young yeah yeah uh probably 18 probably she's in high school right she's studying to go to college yeah her brother wants her to be pre-med is like what we established so she's like 18, what? No, I'm just, I'm doing oh, yeah. her impression oh, of Dom. <laughs> yeah. yeah sorry. I thought you, like, coughed or something. <laughs> this is a perfect time to just, like, restart. Like, she can go to, like, a different city and be like, okay, I'm a, I'm a college girl now. What happened to your family? They live in L.A. Whatever. Doesn't fucking matter. Like, you could just, like, disappear. I got another brother, though, that we won't know about for another 20 years. <laughs> yeah, that I didn't know about. Well, we, don't, we honestly don't know how it goes. The only other note that I made here, Brian says a line that I was like, oh, he... Absolutely, he's the kind of guy to say this. He goes, "Well, actually, I'm not a cop anymore." It's like, "Well, you're gonna well actually her like I like it's so on brand for him. like, well actually, I'm not a cop anymore." It's like, okay, cool man, thanks, cool, cool, yeah, cool, sick, good job, bro. So this one's hard to see. Obviously, I'm sorry I keep saying that, but it's fucking hard to see. And like, I'm I'm watching these with my face two inches from my screen, brightness all the way up. She's putting racing helmets when he first walks in. She's packing away racing helmets and she's packing them into a Corona light case which I thought was kind of cool. I saw a new racing sign. The for sale sign is pretty cool. I wish I could read what the selling company was, but they used the 555 number in this one. I definitely caught the 555 at the beginning. Okay. It looked like it was like maybe like Harris or something, but you know, I can't find it. And then I saw another racing sign that we didn't see from the other angle. This would have been a great shot if it was in high def because we see the garage from different angles that we didn't see when he does the, you know, for those 10 seconds or less. Also, like the the car is not in there. Like we're actually seeing more more, just actually literally more of the garage because it's not like a third of it's not taken up by a car that too and but the, but this shot is like pitch black as well it's just Starring like Vin Diesel it's not lit what <laughs> he was in a movie called pitch black oh thank you yes it's like a very very dark scene so 
I, but I did see another racing sign. I can't figure out what it said. It said like either August seventh or November seventh, and then said something that like looked like it wrote mascot along the bottom, but I can't read that either because like you get blocked by the pole. The Corona case was the main thing I saw, and the for sale sign. So she's already she's already established that she is selling the house. Like she's contacted someone that put a sign up, so it's on. Just a note to people listening: we are going in like we went in the order of the deleted scenes on the disc, and now we are entering the territory now of the ones that are not on disc at all. So there's a couple more that we're doing. I think there's two more that we're going to cover next week, but this one and those are just on YouTube. And so all of these, like you're, I wish it was better. Like we had that chance in the past. We do not have that chance. Like this is like, we got what we got and that's all we can get. So yeah, uh, these are the kind of the, like they're meteor scenes. Like there's the, you know, the Vince, like the mother, you know, coming from the hospital thing. And there's the longer, like them at the garage. Like there's stuff that's still really good stuff left that like I don't know why it's not on the disc, but it's on the disc. So or why they never remastered it anywhere. Because yeah. like they have the film of it. it. It existed to be put on digitally. Like why didn't you just scan it again? I guess nobody cares but us. Any other notes about this deleted scene? I'm just still trying to piece together in my head like what kind of repercussions you'd have if this existed still. And that's crazy. To it would me. change everything. It would change everything. It really in a couple would. different ways, yeah. All right, Joe, let's take a break and let us bring in a very special guest to talk about Jacob's Ladder. Episode number 157, Jacob's Ladder. This episode's brought to you by the Vietnam Veterans Memorial. The memorial wall was designed by American architect Maya Lin, who in 1981, while an undergraduate at Yale University, achieved national recognition by winning a design competition where she planned the Vietnam Veterans Memorial in Washington, D.C. So shout out to the Vietnam Veterans Memorial and Maya Lin. And Yale University. Well, welcome back to the show with us today to, again, I don't know how to phrase these episodes because this is not the end of the lap because next week we have Fast and Furious Spirits of Sahara. So like, there's still more. I do feel like, and this is not a reference that you will get, Joe, but our guest will get, like, it feels a little bit like the pre-taped call-in show where like every episode is like kind of the end, but not really the end. Like we had the tune-up, which was kind of the end. Now we have this, which was supposed to be the end of the lap, but it's not the end of the lap because we have two more episodes. Anyway, this was going to be kind of the masterclass for a reason we will talk about. But with us today to talk about Jacob's Ladder, we have our resident religious and theology expert. He's got his very own podcast here on the Podcast Network, Hard to Believe. We have Mr. John Brooks. Hello, John. Hey, hey. I'm super excited to be here. Welcome to the show for the very first time. Now your family. It's official. I think I asked John forever ago, like, hey, when you have the podcast, do you want to come on and talk about Fast and Furious? And you said something like, oh, I don't like those movies. No, I didn't say that. What'd you say? I've never seen one of them. Oh, well, that's a different story. Yeah. And boy, do we have an entire lap for you later (laughs) down the road. If you like it, you'll be trapped here. It's like California. And I've still never seen one, by the way. It's like, it's like not having a tattoo. Like I, I hit a point in my life where I didn't get a tattoo at that point, and I'm like, well, I'm never getting a tattoo because I'm like 41 <laughs> now, right? So yeah, yeah, that's how it works. There's now 17 Fast and Furious movies. I'm never gonna start and watch them all. So it's I've it's <sighs> it's whizzed past me like 
Paul Walker in a, I don't know, is that yeah, a, close enough thing? You're yeah. good. It will never cease to amaze me when we find another person who is so pop culture literate and so into franchises, yeah. both like Star Wars and Alien for you specifically, who just have somehow willfully or accident even accidentally seems impossible just completely avoided this entire franchise i don't think i wouldn't say i avoided it i I think there's a like this is how i talked about anime when i was in when i was in college that i had a lot of friends who were huge anime fans obviously and like you know i've seen akira and like i watched voltron growing up or whatever but they're all like you gotta watch this and this and this i'm like nope i don't do anime like it's not in my nerd budget right and so oh that's a very good way i have said about anime i just don't have time for another rabbit hole right exactly and i feel like at this point fast and furious has so much internal mythology and i just would feel like i would be jumping on a bandwagon that left a long time ago no and i'm it's not my budget it's really it's really not that it's not that much internal mythology In a great way. You're, you're joining us on the show when we don't even have to talk about The Fast and Furious because you're no. here to talk about a movie in our memory lost lap. So, mm-hmm. okay, before we talk about the movie itself, Joe, you had never heard of, you've never seen this movie. You did not know about this movie. So you did not know, did you know the twist of this movie or no? Nothing. I went did in you, completely blind. Did you figure it out or no? No. I, I, I didn't know where it was going the whole time. I, I was like, okay, I thought they were smoking some like funky weed. But, like, how we get there, what's going on, the twist at the end, no. I, like, I picked up, like, the weed was probably laced. That's as far as I got. <laughs> so, it is the most laced weed. If you want to compare it to weed, like, it is the most laced weed. Like, the actual backstory behind this is insane. But I had never seen this movie before. But this is, I think, and John, you can back me up here, maybe the, like, most famous other than maybe the Sixth Sense kind of twist. And, like, people call, like, like on How It's Get Made, there's a joke like a Jacob's Ladder scenario. Like, yeah. people, like, refer to this oh. twist as the Jacob's Ladder ending. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. In the sense of what? Because we can In the sense that now. he was dead the entire time. Well, maybe. Maybe he was dead the entire time. That Like, that, right. And that's, and that's kind of part of the twist, right? Is that it's all okay. ambiguous. But that is one way of reading it and maybe the most sort of surface level way of reading it but yeah okay in the same way of the sixth sense whereas the sixth sense is does it in a different way and like plays with that idea differently what's happening to bruce willis in sixth sense is actually happening whereas with jacob it's a little bit different right like yes it's it's sort of a a combination of like a meditation on ptsd Yep, mm-hmm. but also a analysis of this idea of like life flashing before your eyes, or like the you know like the what, light at what, the end of the tunnel. Type yeah, situation. and what it is to transition to death, and and sure. Um, so there's a lot of different levels to it, but yeah, like the the suggestion at the end that he was dead the whole time. Yeah, I think it really is probably the first major motion picture where that's been like built around that idea. Because I was trying to think of like what else would be on this level, and there's obviously the Sixth yeah. Sense, which is a spoiler. But I think I think people know that. Like yes. people might not know this, but people know that Saint Elsewhere. But that's a little bit different. Where like Joe, do you know about Saint <laughs> Elsewhere? Or no. I know. <laughs> no. That's so Saint great... Elsewhere was like an eight season long or something like a very long running tv show where in the very last episode you find out that like kind of an i've never seen a minute of the show but like some ancillary character who's in a coma had this like the entire show just played out in his head yeah okay which is problematic because that means the majority of all of our popular culture is in his head yes because there's so many crossovers to other things so like all of this exists in the saint elsewhere universe but like that feels from what I understand, that was, like, unearned yeah. and also felt like a real slap in the face because it's not like you spent two hours. Yeah. It's, like, eight 
years of a show that's just like, yeah. yeah, fuck it, none of it happened, fuck you for watching. It's like, what? what? <laughs> yeah, that'd be very unfulfilling as a viewer, I think. Yeah. So I'm glad you spoiled that, because I never, ever want to give that any of my time to be it's like, a, it it's, was... it's a great show, it doesn't ruin the greatness of that show, it really is. Oh, good. Like, Denzel cool. Washington is it's where he got his, you know, big star. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and like Howie Mandel in a in a um, dramatic role, and Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World, um, William Daniels, aka Kit, uh, is also in that show. It's a great show. Like it's worth watching. That aligns here then in that they have this is a movie where Lewis Black plays a straight laced doctor. Like yeah. I blink and you'll yeah. miss him. Kyle Gass from Tenacious D is somewhere in here. I don't know where. Like what? I don't know. Very Lewis weird. Lewis Black weird. was a do- was the doctor. Mm-hmm. In the ice bath because I thought that was I knew Jason Alexander what? was in here. Yep. And I was like, oh, is that Jason? I was like, no, that's not him because he shows up later. And like, why do I know? I'm like, oh shit, that was Lewis Black. Okay. <laughs> wow. No, I totally didn't catch Lewis Black. Damn. I mean, like, I saw the doctor in the ice bath, but like, I didn't put his face on it. And I was catching people everywhere. Like, we thought like the one doctor might have been Christopher from The Sopranos, but it's not. He just also has a unibrow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I definitely saw George. Like, I, I saw Marcellus Wallace. Fucking yep. Macaulay Culkin, man. Like, where? Macaulay where? I didn't Culkin. know he was in this movie. So, like, I caught a lot of people, but Louis Black is not one of them. Oof. It was weird. So anyway, the the weird thing for me about this movie is that I knew the twist, ostensibly, or one reading of the twist, but I knew literally nothing else about this movie. So I'm like, oh, it's a Vietnam movie? Like, that threw me off guard. Like, yeah, okay. everything about this movie surprised Same. me. And it still worked. Like, it's not like... Like, The Sixth Sense, I knew, and I was like, okay, I kind of get it. And I think that movie does work, because, like, Night and Night Shyamalan, like, he did a lot of layering, and he's able to... Whether or not it works now, like 20 years later, I don't know. But, like, I remember when watching it 10 or 15 years ago, whenever it was, and I was like, oh, okay, because, like, I watched, like, director's commentary or, like, scenes where he's like, I'm using the color red here. And, like, he thoughtfully and thoroughly laid things out. But I was still like, I I get it. Like, it doesn't really... Even here, I'm like, I know he's dead. I, I don't... I It was it was insane. Like, this was a wild ride of a movie. It's a wild ride. And I'm, I'm just glad that we get to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Same. So, John, how many times have you... Have you seen this movie a bunch? Is this movie you love? Because I had given you earlier the slap. I wanted to get you on the show. We gave you a list of, like the episodes that no guests run, and I think you picked this and a couple others, but yeah. what is your relationship with this movie? Have you seen it a bunch? Do you like it? Uh, yeah, I definitely do like it. it it's not in the, in the favorite movie category, but it's it's one of those movies when when other people bring it up, I get really excited, you know, because like not okay. a ton of people have this on their radar. At the, Around the time it came out, uh, it definitely was a bit of a, I guess like one step above cult kind of phenomenon right like it was really popular with like film nerds and fairly successful um psychological thriller and yeah so i saw it probably within a couple of years of when it came out um when i was in my early teens i guess um when i just started getting into indie movies and and you know the the just sort of the more artsy psychological stuff um that young teenagers like to watch uh, when they're nerds intelligent films yeah 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 and uh and then i I watched it again in a kind of different context uh in a um, philosophy and film class i took in college Uh, oh cool that's really cool i've seen it once or twice since like i've shown it to a couple people who i who i thought would 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 like it so yeah i've probably seen it about four times maybe five times over the last what 25 years or whatever it is I'm trying to think of when it came out is it 1990 yep mm-hmm. it works on a lot of levels there's a lot of different ways of as i said reading it what exactly it's, it's trying to convey which is interesting because that that in some way 
in a, in a weird sort of very insider baseball kind of way, uh, speaks to its title uh, <laughs> and, and, and the biblical reference therein. In that regard, can you please explain to me, because I think I've heard of it, yeah. but I don't know that I've heard of it without like beyond the scope of this movie. So like what is, because apparently the original version of this movie, like the script and like even some stuff that stuff they shot was like way more biblical, like super biblical. Yeah. They yeah. tie a lot of biblical yeah. stuff into it. Yeah. And the director, Adrian Lyon, who like kind of comes from this perfect background for this. Cause Joe, he comes from like the erotic thriller background. Like he did oh. fatal attraction. He did your yes. favorite unfaithful. He oh. did nine and a half weeks. He did flash dance. was not exactly that, but like, he's also got a new erotic thriller coming out with Anna de Armas and Ben Affleck. Like he kind of comes from this, like, let's make a kind of pulpy, kind of steamy, weird-ass movie. He made the remake of Lolita with um, Jeremy Irons as well. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He comes from this kind of background of, like, mainstream make money, but also, like, do something that's a little weird and edgy and out there. And apparently they toned down a lot of the bit. Like, there was going to be a literal, like, staircase to heaven at the end of the movie. But, like, what is Jacob's Ladder? So the character of Jacob in the Old Testament uh, is one of the, the real kind of pivotal characters um in the in the, the the narration of the history of the israelites so he's he's the grandson of abraham and and, and he's the one who according to the narrative sort of acts as the transition point from the the israelites as a, as a group of people as descendants of abraham to um, a kind of a religious group right so jacob represents like the first jew in in, in any sort of like recognizable sort of way so so we get a lot more of in jacob's story um, a lot more of a sort of um it's much more human like you get a much more of an inner world uh with jacob than you do with a lot of the other uh patriarchs who are who are much more sort of directly just kind of symbolic two-dimensional in a lot of ways and so so one of the things that is introduced in jacob's story is the 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 very sort of narrow boundary between um divine Revelation and dream. Um, there's a couple of really important stories in 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 Jacob that are deliberately unclear as to whether or not he's dreaming or he's actually just experiencing God, right? And so the two ones that most people kind of are familiar with. One is when he wrestles the angel. In this story, Jacob basically sets himself apart from the rest of his party, puts himself like on one side of a river. Uh, and goes into this like meditative state and um, has this experience of, a, of an angel challenging him to a wrestling match, right? And they and they they wrestle all night and declare a stalemate. The angel renames Jacob Israel, which means wrestles with God, right? Um, oh, okay. So, so there's there's that story, um, but the other much more enigmatic one is the is the stairway to heaven story, and this is also where we get the term Jacob's pillow, right? The idea of like a, a, a rock being a, a Jacob's pillow. So he gets this rock, uh, and he's he's lying down in the middle of the desert and falls asleep, um, and he has a vision of a stairway to heaven, and um, or like a ladder sometimes is, it depends on how it's translated. Again, it's it's unclear as to whether or not he's dreaming or whether or not this is a real divine vision. He, he seems to be like seeing the the kingdom of God or this like heavenly realm. And he sees these like angels going up and down it like an escalator or something. And okay. what makes it kind of interesting is like nobody's really quite sure what it means. It, it's like, it's the one... Maybe the one major story in the Old Testament where the the exegesis on it, which is to say the 
accepted interpretation is really kind of all over the place. It it might even be that it's it's so married to its historical context that it doesn't even make sense anymore. But it's this it's this very kind of choose your own adventure interpretation of like what what is going on here? Why was this an important thing to tell us? And the Bible gives no answers, right? And so mm. I think it's pretty clever that the way this movie is written, taking that title and, and applying it to this sort of allegory where it's like not 100% clear exactly what we're supposed to be interpreting is going on here. It's some kind of mass hallucination or he's actually been dead the whole time or whatever. It's kind of up to you or even more to the point, like all of them work. Like, yeah, right. You can, you can embrace every uh, different interpretation at once, but that's the gist of the historical religious context to it. Very interesting. Yeah, because I don't know, like, Joe, what did you think of this movie? Because, I mean, you came in the barest of all. Like, <laughs> did you enjoy it? Did you... I really liked it. I found it very interesting, mentally stimulating. This is one of these movies that, like, I couldn't take a lot of notes on because I was trying to just keep up with the movie, right, to try to figure out what was going on. So I definitely enjoyed it, and I liked the twist and the and the fun of it. But I also think that my like interpretation of it at the end when I'm like oh this is going on I'm like oh that was just like purgatory for him Mm -hmm. right like he's just like he's transitioning they make a lot of like overt references to that that like they reference like oh like you know you're just in purgatory until you can give up like what's holding you back and then you can go and it feels like that's what they were trying to tell but like every interpretation of this works like you can make an argument for any type of way that you like he's dead the whole time or he's hallucinating all of it kind of works right because what's strange so like i was watching it with the one specific reading of it that he was dead the whole time or that he died in the beginning or whatever yeah. but like three times i think in this movie people say to him you're dead like when yes. he's getting his hand read the woman's like look yes. like your your lifeline is over like you're dead baby or whatever and then when he's at the hospital in that one scene where like his girlfriend is a doctor and yes. the, the doctor says to him twice like no you're dead man like and he's like no i just have a problem with my back and so like if you know or at least think you know or whatever like what's coming like the movie does kind of say up front like yeah, we, we know that we're throwing weird shit at you, but, like, it's also, like, it's kind of straightforward at the same time. So it's mm-hmm. a very strange, given the themes of our lap and just unreliable narrator and yes. memory loss and not knowing who or where you are or what's going on, like, kind of, like, I put it at the end for a reason. I don't know that it's necessarily the greatest example of what we've been talking about. It's also, like, one of the, like, weirdest examples that we've covered this lap. And somehow the most comprehensive in a way, like you were saying, because it deals with all of these things at once, as opposed mm-hmm. to just like highlighting like one specific, like, oh, just memory loss or just an unreliable narrator. It's like everything. So yeah, it was a good pick for the end, for sure. I've often thought like in, in rewatching it a few times that there's almost something kind of sleight of hand about the number of references to him being dead so explicitly throughout the movie that in some viewings makes me think he's not dead, right? Because mm-hmm. why would it be that, why would they be that, that explicit about it unless it was something that, you, you know what I mean? Like that, that he that he is actually contending with in his own mind. Yeah, because he also has other points where he comes in and people are like, no, you're alive. Right. You're home. <laughs> right. So like they give you the other side of it. That's why like, that's for me, it was feeling like this purgatory, like he's kind of being torn between both points, right? Even if you do take literally within the context of the movie that he's that he's dead I, I think the way that it's supposed to be read is that it's a, a kind of a spiritual death that he is he is coming undone because of the trauma um of of vietnam right and that it's yeah 
in a lot of ways, like it's 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 meant to be an allegory. This he was dead the whole time, and he's dead in the end. Part of it is, is meant to be an allegory for that sort of um, mental undoing or or um, sort of psycho spiritual undoing that so many Vietnam vets experienced um, because of untold number of reasons, including one thing they allude to, right, which is the the idea of like being chemically gassed or like or experimented on um, yes. by 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 your own government. So yeah, like that's one of the things I also really like about the movie is that like. You, you can't read the sixth sense another way like that right like right, the, yeah. the sixth sense is 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 like a, about loss and and letting go and and all that those sorts of things but like there's no second layer or or second interpretation to the fact that the character has been dead the whole time that's explicit and 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 so it it doesn't quite have that same kind of um philosophical depth yeah like it's a much more straightforward movie too right like there's it's yeah, not weirdly like you it just is. Can't right. read yeah. another reason. It's just like it's a ghost story, but like it's a ghost story, like just a drama, right? right. It's just like the guy is trying to get back with his wife, and that's it. Like this is literally throwing demons at you, right? Mm-hmm. They just like yes. deal with this now. Like look, look, look around this corner. Like we're gonna walk through. Like we're not going to hell, but we're gonna go through a hospital. It's like sure as shit, like hell. Apparently, every special effect in this movie was captured with no CGI, nothing. So like that crazy like head spinning was just filmed at like four frames per second, then like ah. sped at the regular thing. So like he just moved moving his head back and forth really quick, it all feels hellish and nightmarish because, yes. like, that's what they're throwing at you. It's not like Bruce Willis falls out a window at the beginning of the movie and just like, hey, now it's like a regular cop movie or something. <laughs> it's like, no, there's weird shit going on. Yeah. Apparently, so this is not only based on just the Vietnam PTSD stuff, but there was a scandal in the 50, from 57 to 61, I might say this word wrong, but the thaliomide scandal. John, do you know about this? Not in much detail. I, is I this certainly... the drug scandal? Yes. So there I was looked a... it up afterwards only because like, when I saw that like the end card, I was right. like, what the fuck is happening here? So like, I had to look <laughs> into it. So this is like unrelated from Vietnam, though. So this is about pregnancies. Was this the kids with, the sh- with no arms? Yes. Oh, so right, they, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They developed yeah. this pill or this treatment or whatever that ostensibly was going to combat morning sickness and as yes. a sleeping aid, but instead led to 10,000 babies being born in Africa and Europe with, like, missing arms and, like, having, like, severe they just limb trauma. Yeah, they wouldn't develop arms. They would just have, like, hands at the end of their shoulders. It was really awful. And so they used that as the, like, the like you're saying, the real-life kind of effects of that as the basis for, for lack of a better word, like, the horrifying, like, the creatures in this movie. And apparently also David Cronenberg used that in Scanner too like that's what mm. that movie is kind of based on too but like it's weird like I, I sort of expected in a way like a drug backstory but not that one like I sort of like same you know like an Agent Orange or a DDT or something you know what I mean but like that's something like completely unrelated but also directly related it was like oh shit like we have done people wrong for a long time in many yes. different ways yeah oh yeah I think capturing the the full sort of spectrum of the hell of war is a really important thing to do in storytelling and you know I think like an, uh, in one sense like Saving Private Ryan does it incredibly well in sort of within the moment the visceral feeling right especially with the Normandy invasion sequence and, and yeah. just like and and the, the sheer just unpredictable unknowable terror of right of that but I also think it's important to, to, to have movies like this that speak to the internal consequences and like and the the internal hell and using those like overtly religious and horror movie tropes and motifs and and metaphors to to, to make that happen right and I think this movie does that very very well like I, the one thing that I, I I hope that people interpret and and, and get out of this movie right is 
that point. Like it's not just a Vietnam is not the device to tell a um, sort of psychological horror movie, right? It's the other way yeah. around. <laughs> it's like and and it is a commentary on what. Uh, especially wrong-headed wars uh, and and poorly executed wars uh, do to the people that fight them, which is, you know, I think that's a really powerful message. I think that you made a good point, and something that I was thinking that kind of, like, plays on that, when I was trying to piece this into where this fits in, you know, the grand scheme of, like, war movies I've seen, it, it feels so different, and I couldn't compare it to anything else. Like, when it started out, I was like, Oh, are we going a little full metal jacket here in the beginning? They're sitting around like smoking weed. I was like, okay, they're making some dick jokes. Like, I'm like, how is this going to play into our lap theme? Because I'm not, you know, I have nothing coming into this. <laughs> and no, it just plays completely different and it fits its own path through this weird, like you're talking about. There was many times that I thought that it wasn't purgatory, that he was just experiencing like huge PTSD bouts. And that these, like, were demons that he was conjuring in his own mind from the terrors he had to, like, witness, like, how that played into it, too. So, it's yeah, it's it's definitely, like, a movie that stands out in my head in that that regard, for sure. There's one little side note that I want to think, that just while we talked about, you know, a minute or two ago about Saving Private Ryan, there's a funny little backstory that I was particularly caught wind of in the IMDb trivia was that the guy, Adrian Lyon, who directed this movie was offered to direct The Bonfire of the Vanities, which is widely considered like this kind of like disaster of a movie, sort of. Mike loves it. I don't get it. Whatever. He turned that down to do this movie, and he's like, hey, I want to have Tom Hanks in the lead role here in the Tim Robbins role. And Tom Hanks is like, cool, I'm going to go do Bonfire of the Vanities. So like they both like switched projects in a weird kind of way. Like they're ships passing in the night, sort of, but... Tim Robbins is good here. Like, I don't know him from a... I mean, Shawshank, obviously, and I've seen him in other stuff, but, like, he's good as, like, the kind of every man flustered by, like, I can't figure out what the fuck is going on. I love Tim Robbins as an actor, and he's one of my all-time favorites, and um, I, I can't imagine anybody else in this role. The idea of Tom Hanks playing this role, like, he could yeah. do it, but it would be a very different sort of a movie. And, and in a weird way, like, both of them, both Hanks and Tim Robbins at this point in their careers were, you know, primarily kind of... Um, comedy? comedy? Well, yeah, comedy, but also sort of like wholesome comedy, mass market, right? <laughs> kind of okay. comedy. So yeah. it's not just that this is not a comedy film. It's it's that it's a... An aggressively not a comedy Aggressively film. not comedy film, right? It's not just a transition from comedy to drama. It's, it's from comedy to very, very intense character focus psychological drama um and and that tim robbins showed that he was able to do that without a second thought is is uh remarkable i mean i think at this point he was basically i think bull durham was really maybe his biggest claim to fame at that stage i'm trying to think if there's anything else around that time like hudsucker proxy was later Mm -hmm. shawshank was a couple years later so i think it was mostly like that was probably his highest profile role and that of course is a like straight comic crazy i mean it's a great it's a great role it's a great movie but like he is the you know the the second banana right in a in a pretty lighthearted comedy so this this transition is uh pretty incredible yeah because like for for hanks just for comparison like he would have come off big punchline which is kind of a comedy kind of a drama overall not a great movie i don't think right the burbs turner and hooch joe versus the volcano and then like this it's like none like this that's not 
it's as jarring probably when he like in a couple years from now will go to do Philadelphia and it's like oh okay like right. you do have it in you right like, I think that's a great that's a like yes it's almost exactly the same thing right the stark contrast between Tom Hanks in Big and then Philadelphia is very similar I think actually the player was around this time as well I can't remember which one came first I think the player was after player was ninety two yeah. yeah so this was this is a huge kind of like you know one eighty for 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 Robbins but yeah he's he's amazing also like considering who was involved in the role like Don Johnson from Miami Vice and New York both turned it down but interested in it were Richard Gere Dustin Hoffman and Al Pacino right so like big names and then for the for the female role for the Jesse role which is Elizabeth Pena got it and like sadly I looked her I'm like what's she doing and she drank herself to death unfortunately like six years ago so like sad kind of devastating but in the audition for that role were Jennifer Lopez Andy McDowell Madonna (laughs) Jill Demi Moore and Julia Roberts like this could have been a wildly different like that's still early for a bunch of them too like that's imagine Richard Gere and Julia Roberts and that's pre Pretty Woman and that's that's that or is it right after it's right around the same time like imagine that being their next or Madonna I think Pretty Woman is no Pretty Woman is the same year like that's the thing I guess yeah I think yeah yeah maybe maybe that's why they turned it down maybe Gere turned it down to do Pretty Woman who knows but um, Richard I Gere, I could actually see in this role. Again, it'd be a slightly different movie. He's another actor that I absolutely love. Well, because he also does he does the Adrian Lyne thing in Unfaithful, right? right. Like he has that <laughs> That's kind right. of yeah. unhinged whatever, right? So yeah, and also the sort of like weird, you know, psychodrama in Primal Fear, um, which you know, there's a lot of similar um aesthetics uh to to those two movies as well but rick mickey rourke i didn't know about and that's actually someone else who i would love to see in this in this movie uh that lead lead as well because like mickey rourke at that time in this movie would have been amazing because he was phenomenal uh until he got all weird and then (laughs) came back i think it was on an episode of keanu club that you were on that we invented that machine it's not a time machine but it's like a recast a movie and like watch that movie with whoever you want in it yeah 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 what I want here. Yeah. Okay. I want to talk about some like just like the weird visuals. Joe, did you have something in particular here that you like? Particular visual or a scene or a creature or mm. an effect or something that just is going to stick with you? Doctor with the no eyes mm. is pretty deep in my brain. I think that face is shown in like the subway and in the car too, maybe. And like that one, I I, I don't think that I'll forget that for a while. Do you have any that are like really vivid in your head? I mean, there's the hospital sequence, but there's also, I, I remember, because I just was triggered as I was reading through my notes, not triggered in a triggered sense, but like triggered like as a reminder to ask the question. Yes. It's like when they're at that party and they're all dancing and like his yes. girlfriend either is becomes a lizard creature or <laughs> is killed by a lizard, by lizard creature. I'm like, what the, f- like, what is this? <laughs> With tentacles? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's very strange. John, what about you? Is there something here like, I? because I mean, this is 30 years old, but still like it, it does feel like there's stuff in here that like we haven't seen again, really. The trapped in the subway thing is just in and of itself like one of my waking nightmares. And I, the the one that like always sticks with me for I don't know why I think it's just the way that it's played and and especially the way that Robbins is kind of all in for it is the um the ice bath fever you know um, sequence which is just like yeah again like I have a very <laughs> I think it's a very sort of personal relationship to it because. I have a very low threshold for fevers and 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 I hate them and uh, <laughs> okay. and I, I also hallucinate very easily with fevers um, and so there's a sort of a uh, a sympathy horror uh, element of that that I can never get over um, and that to me is always the hardest part of the movie to watch. I think that that moment also really like the movie does a really good job of putting that in scope for you because right. his girlfriend is like 
so pissed at him for like ruining her yeah. night. And she yeah. puts a thermometer in his mouth and like just to see her see Elizabeth Pena's like expression change like when she pulls it out like, oh shit, you're not just like being an asshole. Like something is really wrong. And like the way that she's able to sell it in the movie like kind of turns on a dime. Like instead of just you ruined my night to, oh my God, you're about to die. Like it's effective. Yeah, that's my reaction to all these kind of situations. Like I go like real stark and like she hit that perfect in the sense of like you just get like real serious and she's like, nope, we need to take care of this now. Gather everyone, gather ice, throw him in the bath. We need to like control the situation. Right. And like her flip, you're right. Like her, how she just like snaps right into it is, it felt very real. I got to say too, I like, I know that they toned down, as you referenced, Joey, that they turned down a lot of the overt religious references uh, in the final draft of the script. But not included in that was the fact that this girlfriend's name is Jezebel. Like, yes. as, as though that's like a name anybody has anymore, for real. She's a Jezebel. Yeah. yeah. It's like a grandma insult for you, it, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. It's the, it's a reference your grandma gets from reading the Bible that nobody yeah. else gets, uh, but is very, very offensive uh, and insulting. Yeah. I found that funny. I was like, oh, that's what you kept? <laughs> you kept- <laughs> That in the title? That's okay. One other person I was excited to see in here, and I did not recognize him until there was the one-on-one scene, but then when you see his eyes, it's nobody else. Like, it's Pruitt Taylor Vince, and I don't know if you guys know him from other stuff. What scene was it? He's the guy who gets killed in the car bomb. Oh, Rachel saw his eyes and said, like, she was like, he is freaking her out like so he plays because of i don't know if that's a, a affliction i don't know if that's, i don't think it's a choice because i've never seen him not have those eyes but like he's played like serial killers and kind of creepy dudes it's unfortunate but like he's a good actor and here to have him just kind of like not be a villain just be somebody affected by this shit of vietnam i mm-hmm. thought was a really good use of the type of character that he normally plays but like he's in a movie called devil's candy which is a cool metal as fuck horror movie like he plays the killer or whatever in that or like the menacing villain or whatever but i like he's just one of those like oh that guy right but like i I like seeing him in this yeah i hate people that get typecasted for physical Mm -hmm. things so um yeah that's awesome john is there anything else biblically or allegorically or anything else we have like in of major note that we have not yet covered no i don't think so i mean there like there's a lot of very sort of um, kind of broad allusions to not ne- even necessarily biblical stuff. I mean, obviously there's there's imagery that kind of like comes right out of the book of Revelation, and and the title tells you that it's it's a a movie that has you know biblical allusions to it. Yeah, it, it strikes me as well. Like there's a lot of it, a lot of the formatting of it is very Dante, right? Like Dante's Inferno and Purgatory and and, and Heaven. Like there's a lot of real kind of like stark cuts between mood where like you know Dante will see something really really horrific and then there'll be like a very mundane chat with a Virgil and like it it, it it strikes me as like that was also one of the kind of um foundational blueprints like to 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 make this movie you know and I think a lot of movies like this that try to um insert kind of uh, either either biblical or kind of post-biblical ideas into sort of modern context. I mean, like, you know, The Devil's Advocate being one of them, right? Which I love that movie, and I, I'm pretty, I think I remember you do too. Oh, it's it's wonderful. Yeah, it's a great movie, but it's a great example of, like, when it's very kind of superficial, right? And, and, and doesn't 
doesn't really work. So I, you know, I think if you want like a better appreciation for some of the some of the elements of of what's going on here in terms of anchoring them itself in in kind of religious allegory, um, you know, the the story of Jacob's ladder itself is a good place to start. But like I've told you that story as far as you need to know it. But yeah, I mean, look at the Book of Revelation, which is a which is a really weird like psychological horror story anyway, and Dante, and and I think it like gives you a little bit more appreciation for you know the way that this is very cleverly put together as both a allegory about about the horrors of war um and also this sort of like primal human fear of of death um and and what it could entail yeah yeah for sure i'm also looking at you know all those things i think could also maybe relate to hr giger's work which was a very big inspiration for this yeah yeah and also just you know in that same kind of alien like apparently ridley scott tried to get this going at one point and couldn't but having seen this movie i don't think it's any surprise to me knowing your taste that you like this movie it's like oh yeah like this is all the kind like this is like this (laughs) in so many different ways it's like oh this is you this is john brooks like written all over it (laughs) yeah yeah apparently in in the trailer we're gonna watch a little but there's a lot of stuff that was cut out of the movie. They also have like a lot of like real biblical shit that I go saying like during the dance scene, all the dancers turn into demons. Mm. Um, Jacob had a vision of a celestial staircase. There was a reverend on TV ranting about the world coming to an end. He sees a demon on his living room wall, which then transforms into a portal to hell. The ceiling explodes at one point, and he's surrounded by a vision of heaven. And there's another ending where Jezzy turns herself inside out and becomes a huge demon, which Jacob has to fight before ascending to heaven. It's like, whoa, like that is (laughs) very Jacob stories in line with what's going on here. But also like, what, what the hell? What? No. Very weird, man. This movie's gonna stop me from doing hallucinogens for a little bit. Like, I need to, like, detox from this movie before I can do hallucinogens again, I think. That's, yeah, or, like, don't watch it while you are. That's No, definitely, no, not, no, <laughs> not even close. I'm saying, like, I need to, like, remove this from my brain enough that, like, I'll be comfortable being, like, I don't remember that enough to, like, really make it happen in my brain. Yeah, it does feel like that combo would kind of, like, pull a real-life The Ring situation where they crawl out of the movie and, like, just become part of your life. Oh, yeah. It lives with me now. Like, this is just, you know, all the time. I just Mm -mm. There's demons around. Not for me. No, sir. The only other bit of trivia that I want to share is that the guy who wrote this, Bruce Joel Rubin, who also wrote Ghost and Deep Impact. Okay. He tried to get this going in the early 1980s, but Hollywood said no, and his agent said no because, quote, Hollywood doesn't make ghost movies. And then he wrote Ghost, and Ghost (laughs) became a hit, and like well what now i'm like all right we'll get this made i guess so that's pretty badass yeah pretty funny fuck you i'll make a movie called ghost (laughs) it's the big it's like the biggest f you to that guy forever that's awesome i don't remember john if you mentioned this did you mention the tibetan book of the dead because apparently that was a huge influence on this as well the bardo Thodol? Yeah, I've heard that. I, I, I don't. I, I know literally nothing about that. That's, that's just outside of my Buddhism knowledge, which you know is fairly deep, but not that deep. I read that recently, and I want to check that out. Uh, I'll get back to you on that. Cool. And the other thing that, and I don't remember why this has been driving me crazy all day, because we, I know we mentioned it one other time this lap, because I explained it one other time this lap. But the other inspiration on this is the short story that apparently was adapted into a film occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. And Joe, I was explaining this to you that like, it's about a guy who is being hanged and the rope breaks and he swims off in the river and then escapes. But then we find out that all of that was just a vision of him huh. in his dying breath or whatever uh. that the rope actually hung him. And I don't remember what movie we talked about this lab where we talked about that specific thing where it was like that kind of like effectively Jacob's Ladder scenario. But I don't remember what it was. But it, we t- I know we talked about that 
at some other point. I don't remember either, buddy. Quick question, and I don't have IMDb in front of me, but going back to kind of where we started with this when we were talking mm-hmm. about the the whole twist ending, this was around the same time as Dead Again, which which has a very, but it's different, but a very similar kind of twist ending. And I can't remember which one was first. That came out a year later. Okay. I don't. Have you seen that movie? No, I didn't know. It. Like, there's a whole like world of Kenneth Branagh that I like. Kenneth Branagh is like a Russian villain in Tenet. I'm like, I didn't never like. I didn't know you did not Shakespeare. Like, I know he does not Shakespeare, but yeah. like, I just so firmly associate him with that wheelhouse. But I so I saw both. Jacob's Ladder and Dead Again around the same time and I was like whoa twist endings are awesome right like it was <laughs> <laughs> yeah because they were two I mean before Sixth Sense like they were they were the two big twist ending movies I'd ever seen in my life and Dead Again's a great movie and you should find an excuse to weave that into your podcast at some point as well well it's on Tubi and Pluto so you can go watch it for free with oh, ads so go do that I guess big Pluto fan here wow well it's worth watching for um, both Robin Williams and Andy Garcia alone uh, oh in- Robin Williams just popped up in our last movie he Noel did. which is a terrible kind of a ghost story Christmas story <laughs> it is a ghost story Christmas story you're right he's a ghost yeah that's not real. not the one with Anna Kendrick different no different. not the Anna Kendrick spoiler oh is that Santa the Claus. terrible one with like Susan Sarandon is that yep. yes oh Wow! Yeah, and Paul Walker. Don't and like, Paul Walker. isn't like Hector Elizondo in that movie? Like, I don't know. Penelope Cruz or something. Penelope, Penelope Cruz. Cruz. Yes. Okay. I, I had blocked that mem- movie from my, from my memory. So did Kara. It just came back. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Hector Elizondo. You might be confusing that with like New Year's Eve, which was a Gary Marshall movie. So Hector Elizondo was probably in that. Uh, maybe. maybe. Oh. I really feel like Hector Elizondo was in the one I'm thinking of, but maybe it's some other. Well, that one was written by Chaz Palminteri. So wait, which one was that... Noel? Yeah. Noel was directed by Chaz Palminteri. He yeah. directed... Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. What happened? <laughs> That's what we ask. Why does that movie... last episode. Why... Talk about twist endings. Like, why does that movie exist? That's the twist <laughs> ending I want to know. Like, I'm looking now at Hector Elizondo's movies, and I don't know what you would confuse this... Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna... Oh, it has a 29 meg, uh, Met- Metacritic score. That's. Oh, yeah, it's bad. It's very, it's very oh, bad. Oh, it's really bad. Yeah. It's Alan yeah. Arkin. I'm thinking of Alan Arkin. That's what I'm... Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Yes. Joe, any other thoughts about Jacob's Ladder before we watch the trailer? Yes, I had some fast connections that Go I need it. to get out. Because we're doing the Emerald lap and also memory loss, uh, there was a scene of boxing in this movie at one point, and I was like, oh, was that like a little Emerald nod there? Because she girl was fight? boxing a ton. Yeah, she was boxing a bunch in this, in this thing. Or like, you know, physical combat. The other thing I was thinking was when he takes the, the fever dream bath in the mm-hmm. ice... I was thinking, like, this is very Roman on the car door. <laughs> okay. And the last thing I was thinking was, because they use this drug to mind control them, mm-hmm. this is very Spy Racers of them. It is very Spy Racers season two, yeah. It is. I'm sort of surprised that we've not had a car bomb in Fast and Furious Same. yet. Same! I mean, we've we had, had cars bomb. blow up, but not we like a We had a bomb that blows bomb. up 1327, spoilers, but, you yeah. know. The other thought that I had was um the, the actress, Jezebel, she had very, very, very Gal Gadot vibes to me. Really? Yeah, like, early on, she had, like, very Gal Gadot vibes. I can see it. I don't know why, like, just Giselle, specifically, you know what I mean? Like, this kind of, like, mysterious woman that's also guiding you through something. She had a very, like, sexy, like, a, sort of an ambiguously sexy quality, like, very, like, yes. confident. Yes. Like, in a way that was hard to quantify. Which I think Gal Gadot has, right? Well, I think she's just beautiful. Like, I, I get I mean, that. She- like, I'm just like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got it. But also she, but like Gal knows it, right? Like she, yeah. like she knows it. John, any other thoughts about Jacob's Ladder? Go see it. 
It's a good movie. It's a good movie. Yeah. It is a good movie. It's very interesting. If you have Max Go, if you have the Cinemax app, you can watch it for free on there. All right, let's watch the trailer on YouTube. Jacob's Ladder 1990 official trailer posted by The Cult Box in 2011. 1.5 million views. Right, if you guys want to queue it up, are. I'll do a 3 2 1 play and we will watch the trailer. So apparently, like I said before, there's apparently a lot in this trailer that's not in the movie. So I'm curious to see what this trailer looks okay. like. And also, if it gives away a twist. I'm curious to see about that. Same. And now it's queued up. Three, two, one, play. TriStar Pictures. Old ass logo. Like, I was, I cannot oversell or overstate my surprise when this started in a war movie. I was like, this is like the last thing I expected this to happen. Same, dude. Very, very much same. We didn't talk enough about Macaulay Culkin. Holy fuck. Every day, Jake. Getting killed by a car, to too. Work. Run over by a car. Uh, one of those days. Andy's, Andy's and a man. He wonders what is happening to him. Why? Oh, I love those people, the, the the girls on the street, like singing Mr. Postman to him. Yes. I thought that was a wonderful, yeah. cute moment. They really nail, like, New York City teenagers well <laughs> with that scene. There's also a lot of, like, just broad, general biblical stuff, like the the Black Raven, right? Like, that's a that's a very biblical uh, yep. element. Oh, that's, like, that's yeah, creepy. That's, that's some like guy. Vanilla Sky shit too. So weird. Car blows up. The, demons are real. the ice bath thing is like my worst nightmare. I hate being cold. Yes. So like, if what I was saying. having a yeah, fever, right. if I was having a fever and you were like, get in an ice bath, and I'm like, I'm already cold, I would be so miserable. <laughs> Where am I? Where do you want to go? I know that this movie is like a horror movie, but this makes it seem like even more of a horror movie. Oh yeah, this is pure horror, not psychological thriller at all. Just pure horror. Well, yeah, when you when you throw in all of the stuff that sort of creeps into the movie into a two minute trailer, it's going to seem very different. And of course, like this, to be fair, it's a very difficult movie to sell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. When I watched it the first time after seeing the trailer when I was 10 or 11 or whatever it was, you know, I was like, oh, I, I'm not sure I want to watch this movie. And then it was a very different kind of movie, you know, and all that stuff is in it, or most of it is, but it, it paced out very differently from the kind very of dumb different. cuts, right, that you get in the in the trailer. Yeah, I agree. It's don't trailer, watch the trailer. Though. Even if you listen to this podcast and you want to watch the movie, don't watch the trailer. Instead. Yeah, don't. Just watch don't. the movie instead. It is a good trailer. Watch it after. Like it's Because a lot of trailers around this time were not very good. This is actually a very That's well-made fair. trailer. I can agree with that, yep. I will say that, John, you, you mentioned while we were watching the trailer, this is a hard movie to sell. So this is a movie that Paramount greenlit and was like, no, you need to change the ending. And they were like, no, we're not changing the ending. And apparently it like went into kind of hiatus like a it wasn't going to get made then eventually carol co pictures brought in 25 million dollars like finish it but like the the difficulty in selling this movie essentially was like yeah we're not this is not okay like we're not we're not on board with this like what are you doing but they stuck to their guns they put out the movie they wanted to make so like this feels like the kind of movie that you'd be like oh there's like five versions there's like the director's cut and there's the ultimate like there's just the one as far (laughs) as i know there's like the one version like that's the movie so it's kind of funny you say all that though because there's almost 
a joke about a lot of Tim Robbins movies that they are they are impossible to sell. And like I remember <laughs> when because Hudsucker Proxy and Shawshank Redemption came out w- around the same time, and there was it was like who's going to go see a movie called The Hudsucker Proxy and The Shawshank Redemption? Like it sounds like a joke. And of course, like at least one of those is is a a monumental beloved classic, and the other one is one of the best underrated Coen Brothers movies. Yeah, the Hudsucker Proxy Joe, I don't even it's it's about the invention of the hula hoop, yeah. which makes it sound even worse, but it, it is amazing. It's, it's a, great. It's, it's so good. Fantastic. Yeah. It's a really great okay. Movie. Yeah, I would have totally written that one off. Like of just course, by title it's called um, the Hudsucker Proxy and you're like, I'm not seeing that, right? It's um, a terrible name. Yeah. Yeah. So we have one more game on the show, John. We go on letterbox.com, oh. which is, you know, film logging for snobs sure. and we just do some number guessing oh, game we're gonna do some gonna movie guessing hard. clues this is gonna be so, so for, fucking hard and just so you know this is all meant to be really difficult so if you're bad at this do not feel bad because like there, this is there's all no bad there difficult. is no good there's just try so for reference sake mad max fury road one of the most popular films on letterbox has been seen by 688,000 people 688 688,000 jacob's ladder 1990, directed by Adrian Lyne, starring Tim Robbins, Elizabeth Pena, Danny Aiello, and Matt Craven, has been seen by how many people? Joe? I'm going to go 60,000. Okay, I'm just going to stop. You got it right. I don't know how you did that. Are you serious? 6168. <laughs> I was going to say 68,000 just to make it like one-tenth, uh, literally. But uh, yeah. So, I mean, you're both there. So, like, that's kind of amazing. I don't know fuck. how that happened, but... Again, blind guess. I definitely don't ever look at Letterbox. I was guessing, look, I was going, okay, John's telling us this is kind of a cult film. It, it, it's like a first twist ending kind of movie. So I think that that will play into this factoring. And then I was like, it's got to be higher than I expect because it seems like a movie that film snobs would love. So I went 60 off the jump. Okay. So reasoning. now, out of those 60,000 people, average rating of 3.71, most common a 4, then a 3.5, then a 3. How many people on Letterboxd have this in their four favorite movies, their top four movies of all time? How many people on Letterboxd? Well, can you? how many people are there on Letterboxd? I will say that uh, the highest number we've seen here is 22,000, but there's okay. also movies that have zero. But there's okay. like tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people on Letterboxd. So how many of them have this in their top... Top four movies. Top like, you get to pick four. your four movies that sort of define who you are as a person. Okay. It's like your, it's like your what is your friends, your top friends, your top eight on MySpace. Yeah, it's like so. your MySpace top eight. I'm going to say 27. Oh, that's a good number. I'm going to go a little bit higher. Give me, like, 63. You're both way too low. Oh, I'm glad about that. All right, so I'm going to say 436. No, that's uh, that's too high for me. I'm going to go 125. John is almost right on, and very fittingly wow. for one of the first things Joe said about this, 420, smoke them if you got them. Nice. Wow. Blaze it. Blaze it. Oh, smoke great. that tainted weed. If you had both gone way lower again there, I would have said one more guess, and it is a very fitting number. So there's like only like, it's either 420 <laughs> or 666. Like for for this kind of movie, it's like yeah. one or the other, right? I always still would have guessed 69. Oh, I okay. wish it was 666. I want to like, I want to vote for it 241 times. Make <laughs> 241 letterbox accounts. Yeah. Just a <laughs> bunch of burner accounts, yeah. I'll just call Vladimir Putin and have him set, set some up for me. <laughs> We have one more part of this game, John. I'm going to go to someone. So out of those 420 people, I looked at a bunch of people who reviewed it. Okay. And I'm going to go to their profile, one of their profiles, and find. You're going to try to guess the other movies 
in their top four. And there's a bunch of different wild variations here. Okay. But we're going to go to Nate Austin at Nate A on Letterboxd. An influential movie for its time since its release, many other films have borrowed visuals and plot points from this fantastic psychological thriller. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a rare film in that it's actually frightening and creates an uncomfortable atmosphere. Robbins is great as you follow his journey into despair. Great cinematography and score. Five stars. So awesome. Nate Austin, yeah. his top four movies of all time. Number four, Jacob's Ladder. Okay. His top three movies are three of the biggest movies of all time. Oh, and they crap. all came out okay. before Jacob's Ladder. Okay. So I was going to say one of them was Dark City, but like it, he's not that niche. Okay. Star Wars. The one Godfather. The no, but you're both, you know, you're, you're at the right level. Star of, Trek, of the motion picture. Bigger than that. Oh, okay. All right. Citizen Kane. No, they're all from the 70s and okay. 80s. They're all like, Kind of, they're all popcorn flicks, too. Okay, first blood. Jaws. Jaws is number three. Okay. Yikes! Okay, cool. Okay. Uh, Damn. The other two, so all, the, the top three, including Jaws, are all part of franchises. Okay. The Empire Strikes Back. No, it's not, it's not Star Wars is not here. Okay. And I would say arguably, probably the best in each, the first, the, his number one Rocky. is, it's one or the other. Nope. Damn. Oh, good guess, though. Yeah. Damn good guess. Wow. They're both more genre-y, I would say, than like... You know, like, Jacob's Ladder is kind of a genre thing. Like, it's in that, like, wheelhouse, like, where they're huge movies. I don't know how to, I don't know how to describe it without giving it away. Okay. They're both from the 80s, though. Both from the 80s. The first in a franchise and the second in a franchise. Terminator 2. The Godfather 2. Nope. And neither of those are from the 80s. Terminator 2 was in the 90s, yeah. Uh, and Godfather 2 was in the 70s. Not Terminator 1. Nope. Alien. Close. Aliens. Yes. Okay. Okay, cool. Okay, there you all go. Right. You got it. A- Good okay. job. Aliens. Okay. Number one movie of all time for him. Aliens. Wow. Aliens. Dude. Blank, Jaws. <laughs> Jacob's Ladder. So I, I like two? his list, but like you cannot put Aliens. Like if you're gonna put an Alien movie in your <laughs> top all time, it has to be Alien. Aliens can be in the top four. It can't be number one if Alien without is not Alien in the yeah. right. I wonder. I don't think you're gonna have this kind of reaction to his number two, but I can also see you having a similar kind of reaction to his number two. It's like undoubtedly one of the greatest movies I've ever been made. Oh, Weekend of Bernie's. Yeah, of course. Um, but uh, <laughs> other than that, but like this is also, I could also see you specifically being like, no, how could you not have one of its sequels oh. as above it? Interesting. But oh. I think I think you would agree with this, but I don't know. Oh my God. I will also say the director of this movie also directed another one of his top four. Okay, so it's, I was thinking Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Oh, one of its se- oh Indiana Jones and oh god uh so it's well, the is first it one Raiders yes okay huh. is Raiders the best indie movie I think it is I oh for sure I I, I, I don't, don't hate his list no it's huge I'm, I'm those weirded out by Aliens movies. being number one but like <laughs> those are those are game. four quality movies I also like I don't think he should have two of the same director on a top four list um, as a rule but. Interesting. He grew up in the 80s without cable, so things like the ABC Sunday Night Movie of the Week and renting VHS tapes shaped his film tastes along with occasional trip to the cinema. Yeah, I mean, if without without Jacob's Ladder, that list would be a little too Dawson's Creek for me, but like, throwing in Jacob's Ladder there, I'm like, oh, okay, actually, that kind of validates your opinion of the other three movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did, like, last episode for Noel when we did this, it was Noel, which is a weird-ass, not-a-good-movie, but it was then, like, The Shining, Silence of the Lambs, and, like, something else. We're like, well, how did Noel get in here? And we're like, did you Love just change Christmas it Christmas and Sadness. I listened to the Sarah McLachlan album all year long. So. The weirdest. And that's just me. Noel I will also say, four. though, Joe, in the other people who reviewed this, somebody else had Paris, Texas in there, and somebody else had Seconds in there, so two other movies we've covered wow. this lap. Yeah, I think so. having, if you, like, getting a Vim Vendors movie in there is, is a smart idea. Like, I, I, I think 
Wings of Desire would probably be on, on my top four. Really? Of all time? Yeah, I think so. Wow. It would be four, but it would be it would be on there. And City of Angels would be above it, right? Uh, yeah, that's one. I clearly like. <laughs> I mean, and I hate doing like remakes and originals, but come on. In that in that case, you, no, it would it would not crack the list. Uh, not even my favorite um, of of the what's the guy who directed uh, John Turtletaub or whatever? Who, who is that? Who directed it? I don't know. It's just Iris from the Google Dolls. Not yeah. Iris from the Google Dolls. I'm pretty Iris sure that movie Google was directed Dolls. by John Turtletaub, and uh, if I'm wrong, then uh, that's how it that's how it goes. Well, let's find out. I mean, it stars Nicolas Cage and, and Meg Ryan. So, yeah. City of Angels, directed by Brad Silberling. Brad, uh, Brad Silberling. All right, I get those two confused because they are both like making some pretty standard tear-jerkery movies in the 90s. <laughs> Silberling. Okay, Silberling directed the Casper movie, right? Oh God, yes. really? Yes. Okay. Oh. So he he had a whole like a whole I direct movies about like invisible people who have died or something and hang out with humans. Uh, Can I keep you? Genre. God, now I want to watch that Casper movie. Oh, Casper was the first episode of Wistful Thinking when Jordan and Kara started that podcast. I was like, I want to go talk about Casper because that was my favorite <laughs> movie growing up. That movie, spoiler, does not have an ending. They throw a big party. Casper scares everybody. The kids leave. Movie ends. There's no ending. There's no like actual well, resolution. Way to, like, way to ruin that for me. Well, you're dangling the sequel. I mean, like that's that's a classic cliffhanger. Well, the sequel is those commercials that he was for Geico now, right? I think the sequel is the Christmas movie. He's in Geico commercials now. Yeah, Casper's in Geico commercials now. What he is. That's fuck? true. Just eating popcorn. Yeah. Well, John, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for being part of the family now. I'm so thrilled to have done this. And now you have to watch a Fast and the Furious movie. We're going to make you do I, it. I don't think it's going to happen. I, like, I really think I'm just going to resist doing this for the rest of my life. But um, That's fine. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. I, I, you know, I keep I keep getting really close. Like, So, funny story. I, I could have been a really early adopter. I had a free ticket to an advanced screening of Fast and Furious. What? One in New York City in the summer of 2001, and I didn't go. And I was like, all right, this movie doesn't look good, so I'm just not going to go to this. <laughs> I could have gone to see it for free before anybody else. So I think it's sort of like written in the stars that I'm never going to see any of these movies. Cause like oh, and then 9-11 happened. Yeah. Yes. Right. I could have stopped 9-11. That's the short end of the... That's the, that's the moral of the story. Let's roll. So you have a podcast that's on hiatus right now, but if you if people want to hear about Hard to Believe, you had some of my favorite podcast episodes from, I guess, okay, this episode comes out on New Year's Day, so Happy New Year. Yes. So I will say that you had some of our favorite episodes on our network that came out last year. So please tell people about Hard to Believe. Sure. So um, Hard to Believe is a show about the uh, nature and various elements of belief. Um, we talk about religion. We talk about spirituality. We talk about philosophy. We talk about historical beliefs that people have. Um, I like to debunk things. Um, I like to clarify things. Uh, that is sort of my passion. So I sometimes talk about things that I am interested in that I think people don't understand. And sometimes I invite guests on to share their expertise. Um, so we cast kind of a wide net but you know ultimately it's about what i'm interested in which is what people believe and and why so yeah we just finished the first season it's all available now um you can check it out on my blog uh which is hard to believe.me um or you can go to the cage club website and find it all there i will be starting again on season two in late march or early april Ooh, nice, yeah. nice. very cool I'm trying to think of what else i could bully my way into because we did the x-files we did the leftovers yeah oh, we, got, we got to do lost in season two we got to do something with lost. I, I have some ideas for you so good um, cool so yeah hold that Ooh. hold that thought well joe next week we have a double dose 
of Fast and Furious Spy Racers Sahara. Yes. It comes out soon, even in real time. In real time, yeah. We're recording this a little bit in advance because we have the benefit of foresight and hindsight or something. Yeah. But yes, by now, it is out on Netflix. It came out the day after Christmas. That's right. So on Tuesday, you and I are talking about it alone. And then on Friday, we are joined to officially, finally, thankfully, mercifully, bring this lap to a close by bringing back Nico and Kevo one more time to talk about Fast and Furious Spy Racers Sahara. Yes. John, maybe that's how you get it. You, you show your daughters the Spy Racers Netflix cartoon. <laughs> we have one very faithful listener who has tried to show it to his son, who's about 10. <laughs> and after one episode, he's like, Dad, do we have to keep watching this? So like, he is like firmly <laughs> out. Like He has no interest. But uh, I think maybe, you know, your daughters might like it. I don't know. There's a lot of cool girls in there. It's like very there cool, cool. female-focused and sort of, sort of badass ladies. So maybe... Maybe. I don't know. They're really into Star Wars right now, so. That's cool. Oh, by the way, I don't know if this is a recommendation to everyone and also to you specifically. There is a Disney Plus show called Earth to Ned. Have you heard about this? Uh, it rings a bell. Yeah. So it is a talk show that oh, is yeah, 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 yeah. by an eight-foot-tall puppet yeah. by the Jim Henson Company. <laughs> and it is family-friendly and also legitimately funny. I've watched two episodes so far, and it is really good, and it's on Disney+. Plus. Mm. And, like, if, if your daughters like Star Wars and just, like, kind of fantastical creatures, like, it's a late-night format with, like, celebrities that you like being personable and talking to an alien about who wants to conquer Earth. Like, it's the weirdest and coolest premise and legitimately great puppeting. Like, it's it's super cool. So Disney Plus, Earth uh, to Ned. Yeah, they'll love that. I'll, we'll check that out. 20-minute episodes, too. You're in, you're out, you're done. That's, that's good. That's always good, yeah. <laughs> Something to tide us over before the 47 new Star Wars series start on, on Disney Plus. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta somehow get use of your <laughs> Disney Plus before, you know, now that Mandalorian has ended, but before all the Marvel, like, I guess WandaVision starts in, like, two weeks or something. It does, right? So like yeah. between now and then, yep. Earth and Ned, baby. All right. For all things Too Fast, Too Forever, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash Too Fast, Too Forever, or at Too Fast, Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Come back next week for a double dose of Spy Racers Sahara. Check out our Patreon page at TooFastTooForever.com and check out our store, store, shop store at TooFastTooForever.shop. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two. And that was John Brooks of the Hard to Believe podcast. And we'll tell you all about it when we see you 